Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of the outdoors. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Yes, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can always get the podcast there as well. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced in uh, Northern Illinois at two studios. I'm at one, Dave's at the other. We send the audio down to our buddy, Brad Nearman. He's not our buddy exclusively. He's also our executive producer. He's down in Land Lakes, Florida with Berserk Productions, and he does a great job making us sound as good as we do. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Tucker Horn with U.S. Angling. A lot going on with U.S. Angling. He's here to talk to us about that. And I get to visit with the one and only BBZ Master. That's the Big Bad Zone. Bill Cimentel, one of the nicest guys in the business, one of the biggest hearts, does so much for great causes. He's got so many irons in the fire, it's going to be hard to get everything in on the segment that we do with Bill Cimentel, but we'll try our best. But first, let me hand it off to Dave Kranz. Dave's going to bring on Dan Johnson from St. Croix. David, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Thanks. Awesome. So uh, we may have talked about this topic. Uh, maybe not, but the uh, I think there's. Uh, we both agree that there is a lot of... Uh, uh, to it, the mental aspect of fishing. And, and none of us plan to go and not catch them. It's not like we get ready to go and we say, boy, I hope they're biting today. We're, we're going to figure it out. And, and we have ways to get ourselves mentally prepared before we go, don't we? It, it, this is, I love this topic because it applies to everything in life. It does. I mean, we, we sometimes, not always, but sometimes have control over and make our own luck. And in, in fishing, I'll give you a couple of examples. If you're mentally prepared for the weather, it doesn't seem to rock your world as much as if you weren't. And that, that comes to how you dress, to how your mindset is. Um, if, if you're mentally prepared to know that the barometric pressure went through the roof and there was a big tournament the day before on your lake and it's high blue and you might be fishing for four bites, you'll fish harder to get those four bites if you're prepared for it. You know, if, if you're prepared to run 60 miles to find fish in practice, you're, you're going to run that distance better than if you're not. And, and then in terms of actually fishing and applications, it's the best example I could give you. And I know Dave, you and I have talked about this offline a few times, how, when you just know, I mean, how many times under your breath do you throw something in there and you say, you've got to be kidding me? The reason why you said that is because you just knew you were going to get that bite. And when you know, when you're expecting a bite, you're going to fish the bait better. 
than just throwing it out there and dragging it in. And I don't know if there's ever ever will be a more important topic for for people that are just getting into fishing than this one to understand the mental side of this. It's like everything else we do, we program our mind for success. Our chance of achieving it goes up exponentially. I 100% agree. It's it's uh, it's not. We hope they're biting. We're gonna go see if they're if they're. We're gonna figure it out. And and to be mentally prepared to go and do that, you you use the knowledge that you have from past trips and, and the the weather and the type of baits and the line and everything that you've done before to to get yourself to the point to where you know you're going to catch some fish doing some technique. Because you're ready to do that, you you think about it before. You, uh, we don't get to the lake and say, okay, what lure am I going to tie on? Our rods are ready to go. We're putting in there, and we know what spot we're going to start on, and we know what bait we're going to throw, and and we know what to expect from past uh, results. And and that is really the mental aspect of this game is is preparation. Yeah, it, I would agree with everything you said, and I'm going to take it a completely different direction. Uh, even though I agree, sometimes we have absolutely no idea what they're going to do, but we've prepared ourselves for letting the fish tell us what to do. And if we mentally prepare ourselves for that, we don't go out with five rods pre-rigged that are dialed that we know what we're going to do. But our mind is such that we're in a mental state where we know we might have to change up 10 times. And if we're prepared going into that, it's easier to cut that bait off and tie that next knot. It's easier to change out a color on a trailer. It's easier to go with a smaller blade on a spinnerbait because we've told ourselves we're going to have to play with this because I have no recon on these fish. They kicked my butt last time I was here, and I'm really going to have to figure this out. And I, So I think whether we go in predetermined or not, the mental preparation side is, I would argue, equally as important. And But I, I'll tell you, it, it affects the way that you fish bait. How many times have you thrown like a buzz bait past a laydown that you've caught one on? We call them PO boxes. You've caught a hundred bass on this thing in May in your life. And you pull up to this thing and it's first thing in the morning and everything's right. And you just know you're going to get a bite and you throw that buzz bait past it and you start to bring it to it. You'll fish that buzz bait in that 10 foot plane better than you've ever fished it in your life. Cause you know, he's going to hit it. And that's what I'm saying. Imagine taking that mindset and trying it on every cast where you get that dialed into knowing you're going to get a bite. Do we every cast? Absolutely not. 98% of casts, we probably don't get a bite. But if we can get our mind to go there, you get more bites because you start fishing baits better. It's every bait in the box, whether you're dragging a worm or a, the speed on a crankbait. How many times do we start reeling too fast when we don't get a bite on a crankbait? All of us do that. When we're catching them real good, we slow down and you just get into that zone, get into that rhythm. And if you don't get a bite for an hour, it's even more important to do that, you know, because it's just a got to get your mind right. It's hard to do. It's hard, hard, easier said than done, but it's really important. Yeah, I think that what you just said uh, also also uh, trips the trigger in my mind is uh, uh, what we want to do to catch them rather than what they want to do that day. And, and, and. A lot of times we think we want to catch them on this bait or that bait or this technique and doing this, but but like you said, letting the fish tell us what they want. And and uh, when you're not catching fish and you think you should be, exactly what you said: slow down, speed up, try a different bait, try a different color. Uh, 
you feel you feel like they're there or you know they're there because you're seeing them on the electronics or, or a camera. You know they're there, how to trigger them. Uh, you can learn a lot from that too, can't you? You can, Dave. And I think the biggest point we could leave to the listener, and, it, and, I, and I say this as a man of experience getting my butt kicked out there doing this the <laughs> wrong way, more times than not. So I'm as guilty as anybody out there. But what I, the biggest piece of advice that I could give in my humble opinion is when you're not catching them, don't get in that grind of just grinding it out, doing the same thing and then racking the boat and going home and calling your buddy saying they're not biting. That's when you need to really challenge yourself on trying to figure something out. And it's almost, to me, it's the fun of fishing is if the first five things you try don't work. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it is because when you figure it out, whether it's to start looking at, okay, I'm going to just not fish. I'm going to run around. I'm going to look at the size of the bait fish. I'm going to see how big they are. I'm going to see where they are in the water columns. Obviously, they're not doing what I think they're doing. I'm going to try to figure out what's where was the wind blow in the last two days. I'm going to go find that out and just pull the boat up on the bank. Get your head around it. And it, what it does, it's like that pause reset. It's like in sports, and I can relate to a lot of sports that I'm not very good at, where if, if something's not working, a lot of it your, your path to success is how you program your mind going forward. I don't know if there's any sport out there than fishing that's more important than that. If it gets in your head that you're not going to catch them, you won't. Other than that one that just gets a face full of it on the one given cast. It just it affects everything you do from the speed in which you fish, the accuracy in which you cast, the way you present the baits, your bait choices, and I could go on and on. Absolutely. And I think there's also something to be said for, you know, Thinking about what your strengths are when you go fishing. What what are you good at? What are you best at? What have you been successful at before? And and think about where you've caught them using those techniques or those lures or what you're good at. And and you, you can't do that everywhere. But maybe going out and finding areas that look like the other areas you, you did it can be a totally different state, totally different water, and totally different time of year. All of it. But but if you're good at that, uh, find the find the areas that you can catch them the way you are best. Oh, absolutely. I think we all of us have a natural tendency to fish to our strengths. I mean, I'll pick up a little jig until the fish tell me they're just not going to bite it. And then I think they're wrong and I still try it for another <laughs> hour. And then they convince me, then I make the change. But Dave, I've also had the other opposite end of the spectrum where I've left every rod at home and taken something I'm not good at and fished it till I figured it out. And there's an absolute value to doing that too. I did that one time with a, skipping a buzz bait. I said, no matter what, before I put this boat back in the trailer, I saw Jacob Wheeler do it on TV. And I said, before I put this boat on the trailer, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. And by the end of the day, I kind of figured it out. And now I can do it really, really well. But I, I was not good at it. And I was the guy throwing buzz baits along the sides of the stuff and hoping it'd run a little left to bang off the dock and make a click and maybe get a bite. But to be able to skip that thing way back under there, I had no idea that was humanly possible with a big giant blade coming up at a 90 degree. But boy, it is if you get the right trailer on it, get the right rod, get the right line. And that's what I'm saying. You know, so it, it, again, it's that mental thing. Just don't accept failure and go out and get your mind programmed that way. And then if you come in and don't catch them, you've given it all you got. And that, that's really all you can ask in anything you do. 
No, and I 100% agree with you. Want to learn a technique or or how to throw a bait? Take just that rod, go to the pond, and go go work it till you know how to use it properly, and uh, and kind of figure out what the fish want, how they want that bait. And it's not always the same, but yeah, that I think that that is great advice. This this is a lot of topic for the amount of time that we we have, and but it, but it's a good topic. And I I think if the come away with the listeners come away with thinking things through before they go, I think they'll get a lot of out of what we said. Well, again, anything we can offer is 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 a, is a blessing because I know I sure learn a lot from you and all the feedback I get from the listeners. So I benefit from them for sure. I benefit from them also when they ask additional questions, and the, uh, you and I have talked about that uh, before. It opens up uh, our minds to uh, what we bounce off each other, and it's definitely uh, something that's been a learning experience for uh, for both of us. And uh, always appreciate having you on the podcast, Dan. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. My favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors, and my next guest certainly does. He is Tucker Horn. He is the team manager for U.S. Youth Fly Fishing Team. Welcome to the program, Tucker. Hey, thanks so much for having me today. Oh, no, it's awesome. Uh, so give us a little background on the U.S. fly fishing team. Tell us uh, how it got going and, and why you're involved. Yeah, so around 2007, um, they hosted a world championship for youth fly fishing in State College, Pennsylvania. And a board was formed shortly after to organize uh, the efforts of that and create a better team than what that represented the U.S. at that world championship. And we, uh, a nonprofit was established. We're a 501c3. Um, we're a part of the U.S. Angling Confederation. And it was 
it, it was definitely noticed that we needed more organization if we were ever going to do well at a world championship. Um, so a lot of effort went into organizing uh, bylaws, you know, establishing that nonprofit, which we are still today. And since then, the sport has grown tremendously. Um, world championships for, for the youth typically have over 13 countries attending now. Um, which is pretty exciting. And our mission statement reads that we are, our, our sole goal is to uh, improve conservation efforts uh, with, with kids involved and win gold medals um, at, at world championships. So um, we've since taken on some other initiatives. We've got a girls program to uh, help uh, bring awareness to competitive fly fishing to, to girls, um, not just guys. Uh, girls and guys are both eligible for the team, um, and we're trying to increase popularity of the sport of competitive fly fishing. That is very neat. And 13 countries, I think that's uh, a lot of countries to participate in that. I um, I fished Major League Fishing Big Five, and I actually, on the Potomac River last year, our last tournament of the year, that my day two draw was a guy that fly fished out of the back of my bass boat, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, and I uh, haven't I think, seen... I think we're seeing a huge, a huge popularity adjustment with the sport of fly fishing. Uh, when I even look back to my college days, uh, I, I finished college at Western Carolina University in uh, 2011. Um, I look back and I couldn't, I could beg somebody and they wouldn't, they would think I was an old man for going fly fishing. And now, you know, it's, it's probably one of the most popular activities kids do at that school pretty wild that is yeah that is uh pretty neat and uh glad glad to see it just to get people involved and uh so um how are the the uh kids selected to participate on the team yeah so we host a number of clinics throughout the year um our first one is coming up in uh march slash april of this year in north carolina um bryson city we host it at the nanahill outdoor center um and the first step is to complete a clinic. And then once you complete a clinic, you are eligible then for the national championship. This year we held the national championship at two venues in North Carolina, um, Mount Mitchell Golf Course, which has an amazing stretch of private water through the middle of it, and the Casting for Hope Retreat Center, which is uh, about two and a half miles of, of stocked trout water that's incredible. It's a great place to catch fish. The kids all had a blast. And a lot of fish were caught. Um, if you measure up the length of the fish, we had enough fish to cover the Empire State Building, which is kind of fun. That's a lot of fish. Yeah. Fishing. yeah, that's a lot of fish. That's that's pretty neat. So so after they qualify, now you said 13 countries participate. Where, where do the actual competitions take place? So, yeah, so we do not organize the competitions. Uh, most of the competitions are posted on a website called Fly Comps. F-L-Y-C-O-M-P-S dot com. And uh, that's a number. Usually the kids are intermingled with the adults fishing. So it can certainly be a good way of, you know, some good adult time, you know, adult interaction with these kids, which is pretty neat. Excellent. And how long have you been involved with this? I got involved. I want to I don't know an exact date, but probably about 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I redid the website for the youth team and we have since migrated to a new platform. Uh, we're all we're a part of U the U.S. Angling Confederation, and we have consolidated all our website into the USAngling.org website. So, okay. if you're interested in competitive fishing in the U.S., you should definitely check it out. There's a lot of different disciplines. It's really neat. 
No, pretty pretty neat to to have this and and to uh, uh, do this at a higher level. Now you have um, uh, a new uh, head coach coming on soon, or have yeah, already? Yeah, we did. we uh, we just named George Daniel uh, our our new head coach, which George is going to be a huge asset to the organization. Um, he's not only a fantastic instructor; he's a great guy. He's a great mentor. He uh, heads up the Penn State fly fishing program, which obviously has an, a, a massive legacy in the in the history of fly fishing with taking over for Joe Humphreys, which is pretty a pretty big set of shoes to fill. Um, but George is going to be a great asset to the organization. He's in state college, which is, you know, a, a hotbed of competitive fly fishing. And uh, yeah, George is going to do great things for the team. I'm confident. And I'll stay in a role where I work side by side with George to plan and he'll kind of be the executor. That's good. Um, are there... Um a lot of colleges that have fly fishing teams. We hear a lot about the bass teams, and there's bass yeah. are spread out. Are, and traditionally, it seems like the fly fishing is more trout and panfish and some saltwater. But there are pike guys and and musky guys and bass guys that fish with a fly rod too. But are, are the are there teams all across the country? Or are they in more in the trout yeah. water? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely an increasing trend. Um, I would say there's a lot more fly fishing clubs that perhaps fish in a tournament once a year against other schools, but it's very loosely organized. Um, typically, it's kids that know other kids that fly fish at other schools. Um, but I would I would imagine that is going to be a huge market segment coming up in the coming years with, with the increase in popularity of fly fishing and the age demographic. I, I believe you guys are the experts in this, but I believe the age demographic, just from an observation standpoint, is lowering dramatically of people participating in fly fishing. Yeah, I know I know if we get uh, kids involved at the earlier earliest age possible, if they don't get involved by 18, chances of them coming into uh the the fishing world at any flies uh spinning casting any level uh is not very good. So definitely getting getting the youth involved in uh, grade schools and things like that is is definitely very important and uh for sure. Uh, you know it, it, it yeah, you to get people involved in our outdoor and uh it's different for everybody. Some of us get the disease worse than others is what I like to say where some some of us become very passionate about it. But most of the people I know that fly fish definitely have a, a passion for it and they they get more involved with it even than some of the guys that do live bait fishing or spinning or casting um, to where they, they, they study the, uh, the bugs that they're trying to imitate making the flies. And so many of them seem to get involved with making their own. They're, they're fooling them twice. They're making their own lures, and then they're catching them by presenting them properly. Are you, you seeing a lot, a lot of, of that? A lot of times they're building their own rods to catch them. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's certainly an obsession to it, which is pretty cool. No, it, it it's uh, pretty neat to to see that. So, uh, uh, how many compete when you go to the with all these countries? How many how many fly uh, fishing kids compete at the same time? Yeah, so the United States uh, will take five anglers to our world championship in Italy. It's in northern Italy this year. Uh, five five kids will fish. There's also an alternate, um, and um, we'll take a manager and a head coach. So I'll be the manager for the event. Brian Kimmel from Montana has been a longtime uh, regional coach for the USC fly fishing team. Um, Brian is going to serve as our head coach while George kind of completes the onboarding process and gets to know these kids a little bit better. What what type of fish are we going to fish for in Italy? Yeah, uh, trout and grayling. Very neat. Now, is that in higher elevations where you're catching those? 
Yeah, so uh, four of our venues, there's five different venues for the World Championship, and four of the venues are rivers, and one is a bank lake lake session. So um, there's four different rivers, there's one lake, and every angler rotates through those those five venues. So, And they're essentially fishing against their flight to catch the most length of fish. Okay. Yeah, that's so all pretty. The fish are measured and scored in a scoring tray, which is essentially uh, a slice of a PVC pipe with a millimeter ruler in it. Mm-hmm. Everything's measured in millimeters in the World Championship. Is and there a... it's very exact? Yeah. Is there a minimum size, or they measure uh, everything? Minimum size uh, uh, is twenty centimeters. Okay. So about seven inches. About seven inches. Okay. So there is. Yeah, you can't just catch a bunch of dinks and and, and win. You have to hit the minimum. So. Uh, that that's yeah. neat. I mean, it, the the whole uh, concept of of uh, fishing internationally is is uh, pretty interesting, and I, I think that uh, I know we're doing that on the uh, you know with the, your organization with the bass guys and with the fly people. I mean, it, it's uh, I, I believe the ultimate goal is to make this an Olympic sport, correct? Uh, yeah, we want the the goal of the U.S. Angling Confederation to assist with uh, uh, SIPs. Uh, to make fishing an Olympic sport. So not necessarily just fly fishing, but fishing. And uh, who knows what that discipline could be, or if there's multiple dis- disciplines, like a track and field kind of scenario. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And it gives people a, a opportunity to reach for a goal that uh, met, not too long ago wasn't even possible. Yeah, yeah. At one, at one point, long, long ago, fishing was an Olympic sport. <laughs> it, it hasn't been for a long time, and... There's no real official record of uh, who won or anything like that. So that's kind of kind of kind of cool allure there. Yeah, just knowing that it that it had happened and that it was available, and and it's great that we're going in that direction to make it available. It's a great uh, opportunity to be outside, to enjoy the outdoors, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the resource that we have in in fishing. Well, you yeah. know what. I'm going to be very interested to uh, checking back with you and seeing how things go. And I definitely appreciate you being on the. Uh, uh, the podcast, Tucker, and, and hopefully uh, you'll come back or, or George Daniel can come back as head coach at some point and give us an update as to how things end up. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. I'm sure George would down the road. And uh, check out usangling.org, our website, and check out the U.S. Youth Fly Fishing Team once you're on that website and learn a little bit about us and see our clinics. And if you know a young kid that is interested in fishing, invite them to sign up for a clinic. Uh, we try to keep them very affordable very accessible to all and uh the kids oftentimes come in great fishermen and they leave experts so it's pretty fun transformation to watch excellent usangling.org that was tucker horn i am dave Cran. steve sarley is remote and this segment of the we fish asa podcast was brought to you by calcutta an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors we will be right back after these messages The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. 
We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. He is remote. But We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. With us right now is uh, a guy that I've uh, gotten to know in the last couple of years. He, he's a, a living legend, without a doubt, in the world of bass fishing. But he's so much more than, than a great fisherman. He's a wonderful businessman. And he's got, uh, you know, this may sound trite, but he has a heart as big as the great outdoors themselves. Uh, he's just a generous person that can't believe the amount of energy he puts into some phenomenal causes. Please welcome from the uh, National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, the one and only Bill Simatel. Hi, Bill. How are you? Steve, I'm doing outstanding. How are you guys doing today? Doing absolutely wonderful. So tell us about what you're doing right now, because in the, since we've talked to you last, there are some big changes for Bill Simatel. Oh, the uh, the list is long, but extinguished. Um, the last three years, I've been fortunate enough that um, I kind of stepped up and tried to do something for the youth in the industry. And we had the uh, Big Bass Zone Junior Championship for three years. Um, it grew so big that I literally asked for help um, from some big companies. And the crazy thing with COVID and the workload, uh, workload and everything else is just uh, we're hard-pressed to find the right people to get behind it, to keep continuing to do what we're doing. Um, so last year was the last year I was able to do the BBZJC. But the cool thing was is we gave back over a million dollars to the uh, kids and the families and brought a lot of exposure for the youth of fishing. And um, that, was, that was one of the big changes. In addition to, um, I got picked up by Akuma Fishing, uh, Fish Lab, and Soft Steel, and uh, I am working full-time on that with uh, some unbelievable lure designs and concepts, and we're getting ready to unleash a dragon, as they say, uh, for 2022. So, yeah, to say I'm busy and a lot of things going on is an understatement. Go 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 back on the the BBZ the BBZ Junior Championship was incredible. It was nationwide. You had so many participants. The prizes were great, and some of the kids that won 
on a state level have gone on to other things. You know, when I see a list of, uh, you know, high school and college champions, I say, where do I know that name from? Oh, Big Bass Zone. Bill, Bill got, you know, his his tournament got them their start. And he's, these are kids that are phenom, phenoms and will be in fishing for a long time. That uh, Big Bass Zone Junior Championship really popped. Yeah, and, you know, like last year, Evan Cox from Colorado, we had the championship in Branson, Missouri. Um, they hosted us there. It was unbelievable. Uh, Rick Pierce from Basscat showed up. We had a bunch of big sponsors show up. Um, the prize list that we gave back to the youth uh, was uh, unheard of. But, yeah, kids like Evan Cox, and then last year we had Carter Dorn. We had some anglers not only go into, like, the the high school and college uh, tournament things. Man, they're, they're getting new sponsorships. Uh, they're doing a lot more videos. They're getting really, you know, in tune with the social media. So the youth that was a part of the BBZJC – are really stepping up to uh, be a part of the fishing industry now. And, and that's what the whole cause was about is to get youth more engaged in fishing and, uh, and, and also open up doors to the sponsors out there that the youth, there's some kids out there that are, are sticks and they're going to be our, our future. So yeah, we, we had some really great kids on this and I, I'm like you, I, I sit back and I see the names and I'm like, Oh, Bassmasters all American. And, you know, and, state champions and they just finished finished another tournament over there the, the names keep popping up so yeah, yeah, yeah the cream sure. definitely for grows sure. yeah. yeah and these are these are kids that we'll be hearing about for the next 30 40 years for pete's sake it's absolutely amazing what what about bill simatel did you retire from your full-time job i literally uh i turned in my badge uh about a week and a half ago turned in all my turnouts and it was the weirdest thing i've ever done because I've been a true blue fire department for, since I was 13, I've been in a firehouse. And this is the first time in uh, almost 40 years that um, I'm walking away from it. So, yeah, I'm officially retired the 31st of this month. Yeah, that's that's amazing because I couldn't believe all the stuff you did and maintained a full-time job in, in, a, in, a, in a, a difficult job. Uh, uh, obviously, you know you're you're a, you're a hero being a fireman. The stuff you have to put up with, but I mean, I, I don't know anybody with with Bill, Bill Sanitel's energy, and you never look tired, and, and you're never down in the mouth. You're always got a smile on your face, and you're moving forward. I, I just admire you so much. So, what are you going to do with all your free time now? <laughs> there is no free time. The funny thing was, last year in July, I signed a contract with the Kuma Fishing and a fish lab tackle and during the time i was still putting on the event and working at the fire department uh we were full steam ahead on building some incredible new baits for 2022 for fish lab tackle so in top of everything else <laughs> i must have had a real good face on because at wee hours of night, we opened up a magic book that I've been working on for about 25 years of ideas and concepts. And there's just an incredible team over at Fish Lab Tackle and Akuma that uh, these people just, they love fishing and they know what it's all about from rods and reels all the way down to the fishing line and to the lures now. Um, we're coming out with some really, really cool stuff and I cannot wait 
to show the industry what the teams put together over there at Fish Lab. Excellent. So I've been doing that on top of it. <laughs> Excellent. You know, and I, I know Akuma. I have not used Akuma equipment in a long time, but you were gracious enough to show me uh, what was going on the last time I saw you, uh, which was either at ICAST or Bassmaster Classic or something, a, a huge expo. And uh, that's a that's a brand that has really made great strides over the years. Uh, I think they're on the cusp of being the next big thing. No, they are. And, you know, when you look at Akuma, I've known the guys over there. I've, you know, I've worked and fished around Mark Rogers for 20-something years. You know, he's, he's one of the guys over there. And the cool thing is, is their product, especially this year with the Hakai reel, um, the ITX uh, spinning reels, all the stuff they have at Akuma, man, it, there's some serious quality there. And then when you get into saltwater, it'll just blow your mind. So that was one part of me being a part of that team. And then understanding that with, you know, fish lap, uh, fish lab tackle, and then being willing to open up and really look at, you know, the, their motto is the science of the strike. And the BBZ is all about that. You know, we're, you know, I'm always looking at, different angles and looking through the eyes of a fish you know so the fish know that what they're doing is the right thing that's that's how you catch bigger fish is when the fish believe they're doing what they're supposed to do and with open arms you know this this team over there will sit down and we talk strategy and and look at all all avenues of fishing and when they do that and then the lures that we're going to bring out like I said, this year at ICAST, I think a lot of people are going to have their jaws drop to see what happens. Because, like I said, this this stuff is a no-joke stuff. It's stuff that people, it's, there's going to be a lot of aha moments like, oh, man. That is, that is, yeah, I should have thought of that. That is absolutely great. And Soft Steel is uh, is, uh, is line, right? Yes. Yeah, and they have high, high-end uh, fluorocarbon, some, some great mono. They have this uh, fluorocarbon stretch that uh it's just going down there and testing this stuff with mike bennett <clears throat> the product manager for fish lab and he's worked with soft steel yeah when you, you're taking 12 pound test fluorocarbon and you're stretching that stuff out and it's breaking at 15 20 pound test line there's something serious different with this and uh when you see the whole team coming together it's pretty impressive you, I'm assuming that you've been a fluorocarbon guy for a long time because, you know, you, you made your reputation fishing some of those uh, deep, clear Southern California lakes that, that I would think that using a line with color or a line that's visible is, is going to put you out of the ballpark uh, when it comes to catching those deep, big bass. It, you know, there are times I'm always... Um, I'm always looking at opportunities and you'd be surprised. Yeah. You know, when you fish up at Shasta, Shasta was unbelievable or the Columbian river, you know, when you're still talking about big spotted bass, and big smallmouth, you know, you need a good quality line. And if it's fluorocarbon, you know, you can sit right beside somebody else in that given moment and catch, you know, five to one. But then there's other times where monofilament or the braid um supersedes all that so the the cool thing about it is they have enough product in that line to cover all applications because there's times i'm still throwing the big swim baits and rat baits and stuff with straight braid even on clear water 
that I'm going to throw it so far, and I just want a good hookup when they when they hit it. So, yeah, it's pretty. It, it, I'm so excited, Steve. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it's been a long time that I've been sitting, you know, that I sat down and excited about waking up at four or five in the morning and start drawing and sketching and and doing, you know, doing stuff on product and stuff. It, it's it's a pretty cool concept. And like I said, I I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on what's going to happen. I I I love your excitement, and uh, you know, I think anything that Bill Simmental gets. Uh, Gets behind has got to be a pretty good deal. You're the you're the real you're the real deal. Uh, you know, through the Big Bass Zone Junior Championship, you get to meet a lot of new people and, and do a lot of new things and and have some new uh, some new adventures. And one of the things I was thinking about was you introduced me to a guy at one of the shows, and it was Billy Chapman from Anglers Inn. Uh, have you gotten a? Uh, he's he's a heck of a guy. He is just absolutely a unique individual. Have you gotten to fish his properties? I have been fortunate. One of my best friends, Tim Tuttle, a few years back. I've never been able to go fish down in Mexico, and uh, he got a hold of Billy. And Billy and I are kindred spirits because nobody knows that Billy and I have the same birth dates. April 13th. Um, we are both, we both got inducted in the freshwater fishing hall and fame in 2009 together. Um, so there were some things going back and forth between Billy and I, and then my, my good friend, Tim Tuttle, they took me down to Lake El Salto at Anglers Inn International. I'm telling you what, Steve, if you have somewhere in your bucket list to go to the most well-run organized location for trophy fish numbers of fish and be treated with a, a hospitality and professionalism like no other that you have to go you have to go down to billy chapman's place in mexico yeah you know what i want to i want to get back to that let, let me take a, a quick break to let sponsors have a word we're here with uh, bill simmental big bass zone he is the guy to talk about when you're talking about 10 pound plus bass uh, we'll be back with Bill right after this. I'm Steve Sarley. You're listening to We Fish ASA. Bill Simatall and Steve Sarley will be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I've completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. 
and with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sartley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. We're still separated because of COVID. Uh, it'll end someday. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. From the Fishing Hall of Fame, we've got Bill Simontel, one of the nicest guys in the business. The guy's got a heart of gold and uh, more energy than I have ever had in my life. He is just a, a, a <laughs> dynamo. We were talking about Billy Chapman's Anglers in El Salto in, in Mexico, which you got to fish. And then, you know, he he's, he has owned resorts uh, for peacock bass on the, Amazon, uh, on the Amazon River and then in Mexico. And he's also got something going in Idaho, right? Well, no, he actually is, uh, he still lives in Idaho. He is putting together, he is working with a boat company now oh, down okay. in Florida. Yeah. And he is putting together the coolest thing with pontoon boats and tiki bars and me and him talk every once in a while. And I think people need to have an eye out for Billy Chapman and what he's going to start hitting the industry with because... I think any boat company out there in marinas that uh, for hospitality and and uh, taking uh, vacations out on houseboats and stuff like that, Billy's got some stuff up his sleeve. So I would definitely be keeping my eyes out for that. Oh, yeah. But my my next thing, he's got I'll tell you what, kinda, he's got your kind of energy. What, 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 you know what? what, what you he beats me. What? He beats he beats me. He's got more energy than me. When I talk, <laughs> I'm not I talk to that. Billy, I'm just standing there talking. I walk away sweating because he's got so much energy. It's like he's vibrating. He's got energy oozing out of him. <laughs> it's uh, he, he's a unique individual. All right, so you're from you're from you're from Southern California. You know, everybody knows about the the big fish in Southern California, and the only places where a 20-pound fish has ever been caught. We talked about Mexico. Mexico's big time. Is there any place you would like to fish for bass that you have not been able to yet? Wow. Well, I do know that one of the places is with Billy. I, I want to go down the Amazon and catch a monster peacock, peacock bass and some of the other exotics down there. Um there's a few things I like to do. You know, surprisingly, people don't understand, and I think that's why working with Fish Lab and when when people see what is going to happen there in the next few months with me coming on board with them and us all working as a team, that I'm not, not always just about bass. Um, some of the things that I'd love to do bucket list is go fish one of the big lakes in the wintertime through the ice and catch, you know, monster brown trout. Um, there are some big lakes, like I said, maybe down at like Falcon or, you know, Amistad, if it's still kicking, um, to hit some big water lakes. But uh, I think my next goal locally is trying to find one of the, the lakes here in California that's producing the seven to eight pound spotted bass. Okay. So I want to catch a monster, monster spotted bass. I want to catch a big brown or, or if we get up to plumbers this year, I'm going to, uh, I'm shooting for a 50 pound lake trout. I want to, I want to hit that mark so as you can see steve i got a lot of ambition i just hope i have enough time to do it all <laughs> oh if, if anybody if anybody does it will definitely be you 
Are those Southern California lakes, the, the Castaic area lakes that go as far down as San Diego, are they still as uh, hot as they used to be? God, you had people, uh, you know, I, I always refer people to a book I read by Monty Birch called Sow Belly. It was about the uh, obsessive pursuit of the uh, world small uh, world largemouth bass record. It was just an incredible book. And uh, the people in Southern California were absolutely out of their minds obsessive over these small lakes that held these huge fish. Is it still like that, or has that cooled down? That's cooled off. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's weird. Years ago, around 2005, um, when the aquaga mussel, you know, the zebra mussel, um, started really taking effect with a lot of our Southern California lakes, um, California did a pretty much a huge lockdown. And with that, with other stipulations and, and lawsuits that went through of planting trout at lakes, um, locking down boats because, you know, you could be infected with coastal, um, it limited the, the, the transportation, limited the, the distance of a lot of different lakes to where uh, angler. Oh, okay. So with, with all of that happening, the low water situations, you know, it, I haven't heard. Now, I, I catch some here and there, and we just keep it quiet. But, you know, guys going out and catching 50-pound limits um, and doing that stuff or traveling multiple lakes and catching 10-pounders, see, that just doesn't happen anymore. That's A lot of the fisheries don't have the trout plants consistently to uh, – to put the Pavlog's dog, you have to have a, 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 a feeding time consistently with certain baits to really create those moments of bringing in the big fish um, to have more of a chance of catching them. We just don't see that around here. You know, um, the lower lake Castake, they've had had trout plants for years. Uh, Casitas, it locked down in about 2005. That was the last time I had my boat on that lake after a 50-pound limit. And I don't think there's been more than one or two bass over 10 pounds in the last 10 years caught at Casitas. And you can go there cons consistently and catch, you know, 10, 10 pounders and 30 and 40 and 50 pound bags back, you know, two 2005 and earlier. Um, so there might be a few San Diego lakes, maybe that can produce some limits like that and maybe up north. But um, consistently for California, I think... If anybody's looking for big fish consistently, I would be heading over to Texas to like OHIV. Man, we're we're thinking we're thinking along the same uh, the same things. I was just going to say Ivy or Fork. Uh, you know, they're already it's uh, it's not even February, and and they're already reporting share lunker catches on Ivy, and, and I believe Fork had one. You know, it's a thirteen pound plus fish, and. Uh, it, it, it's not the time for that to be happening, but it, it's. I don't know what's going to happen on those lakes as things move forward. But let's not let's not discount California because Clear Lake up north of you is considered by a lot of people the best bass fishing lake in the states right now. Clear Lake, yeah, yep. Clear Lake's awesome. Clear Lake is is one of those rarities where. The, they don't have trout there, but their hitch, their, their bigger forage, and the size of that lake, um, it supports it. And they, you know, they just have such a, it just has a great 
fishery from you know monster catfish to big crappie and and then you know all the monster bass but uh yeah if you're looking in california to catch numbers of like five to seven pounders man clear lake clear lake is definitely on that list but like i said if you're looking for the double digit donkeys like they share a lunker like you said in texas yeah um you don't see that much as anymore and i'll be the first one to say i mean I'm, I'm in the game and it, it's sad uh it's sad where where's california's going for that i wish somebody had the power to do like a share lunker program i did a post recently on the bbz just saying that i, I brought up with the texas man i wish they could do that over california i think it would be an incredible um feat to be able to uh, share a lunker in california and start stocking some of these lakes and uh, getting them back to what they they used to be. I I, I agree, definitely agree. It's a, that's a good point. Hey, you know, I've had people. I've brought up your name in conversation, and and I've had people say, "Oh yeah, Bill Simmental. He's he's uh, one of those guys out chase those twenty pound bass with those unbelievably huge swim baits uh, that he was making and selling." And you know, it's good for where he's at, but it really doesn't uh, it doesn't relate to any other fishing in any other areas. And I was talking to my friend uh, Spence Petros, who's uh, in the Hall of Fame, and I consider Spence the best multi-species fisherman in the country. And I said something about talking to him. He goes, oh, Bill. He says, if you talk to him, tell him I said hello. He says, we've done seminars at the same shows together. He goes, and that guy really knows what he's talking about. I said, is he just a, a, a big bass guy and, and does clear uh, Southern California uh, water reservoir impoundments? He said, that guy could catch bass anywhere. He understands bass fishing. And you don't, is, you that, don't get a better recommendation uh, from anybody. And I, I, I believe everything the man says. Well, it's funny that you mentioned I just called Spence uh, about a week ago. I haven't talked to him in a while. And he ranks up there, like you said, when you start looking at Spence Petros and an Al Linder and some of the old school fishermen that just knew how to catch fish from, from crappie to bass. I mean, if anybody ever had a chance to go fish with Spence to go catch monster muskies, you know, they better take it. Because like I said, that, that guy has knowledge. And, and like you said, I've, I've gone back to Indianapolis with, with Spence when I did my tubes way back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was catching monster bass on tubes while uh, Spence was catching mar- monster muskies on them. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the cool thing about it is doing the big baits and what you're going to see, like what we're doing right now, some of the, the secret stuff with Fish Lab um, and what I'm working with Mike Bennett and the team over there, is the baits to see, and some of them are going to be big baits. You know, they're going to be swim baits. They're going to be rats they're 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 going to have the 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 branding and the logo of bbz and fish lab together these baits are going to work from california to maine and and you you might think that oh they're too big trust me i've been around the block too many times where i know anglers right now in minnesota michigan uh mass that are catching big fish in their areas so we're talking about five six seven eight pound largemouth we, we just need those to, are trophies we need to open up our eyes and try different things and and not think you know it all and, and poo poo stuff 
you know, if you respect somebody that can that can fish, don't talk it down and say, "Well, he's only good here. He's only good there. Only can do this." Open your open your ears, listen, and 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 copy what they're doing. I think it's going to help you. And Bill Simontel is one of the guys I would I would definitely want to copy because uh, you are great, man. Run out of time so quickly when I talk to you. It's it's absolutely amazing. I, I want to direct people to please, you know, you're all over Facebook, but. Go to the web, go to thebbz.com. That's thebigbasszone.com. You'll get Bill's stuff. There is so much on there. You can get great information about products. There's great articles on there. There is great video on there. And it's also a source to find possibly one of the best fishing books ever written called Big Bass Zone, How to Catch Monster Bass by Bill Simontel. I recommend it highly, and you can get that through bbz.com. Did I do that right, Bill? Yes, sir. Oh. And that was uh, written, if anybody knows, Spence Petros, but Mike Jones sent me write that book. And uh, that, that angler, that, that writer who writes for Bassmasters again right now, the wealth of knowledge. So, you know, Steve, they always say you're only as good as the people you hang around with. And uh, I'll say I hang around as many fish as I can. Because, <laughs> like I said, being able to see through the eyes of a fish um, kind of makes you have a little bit of clear vision on when you go out there trying to catch them. And uh, I, that, I just love it. I mean, that's the passion of, of what I do and fishing tournaments and, and um, you know, trying to give back to the youth. You know, it, it, it's all it's all big onion. There's a lot of layers on it, but it, it's a really neat little package. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about where the future lies with the fishing industry and with the new opportunities with me and uh, – the companies I'm working with, so it's, it's it's 2022 is looking pretty bright, my friend. Fantastic, and you know what? If you need help on peeling that big onion, Bill Simontel's the guy to go to for that. And go to the go to the bbz.com, check it out, get the book, get his stuff. Follow him. This guy knows how to fish. Thank you, my friend, for being with us. We'll talk to you again soon. You take care, my friend. If you need anything, you know where I'm at. You got it. Bill Simmental. He is wonderful. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, which is the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the United States. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Tucker Horn from U.S. Angling, and Bill Simmental from the Big Bass Zone, bbz.com. Bill Simmental. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. And don't forget, you can always get it at wefishaid.com. You can also write us there. We answer all of our mail, so please... Get to that keyboard and let us know what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Surley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. 
You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.